0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets.
1: Where right now you're going to find local Carlton Farms bone-in pork chops. I love these. And the selection of pork chops at Zupan's is incredible. All the meats are, but... Pork, uh, with, you know they have uh, tomahawk pork chops, everything. But at any rate, right now you can get uh, save two dollars a pound on thick and thin cut bone-in pork chops at Zupans. Um, also, you've got wild Mexican shrimp. Save uh, looks like about twenty percent on that, which is fantastic. Beefsteak tomatoes, two ninety nine a pound, organic at Zupans now.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting, Chris. I was craving, I don't know if you grew up eating tomato sandwiches, but that that's what I grew up eating at my house every now and then. My mom would just like a piece of bread with mayo or Miracle Whip ugh, and, and salt and pepper on a, on a tomato, and it was the most delicious thing. So I'm looking at these beefsteak tomatoes and thinking, oh, maybe I need to start doing that. Looks delicious. Well, the
1: other thing anybody needs to do is go into Zupans and look at their produce department because it is so beautiful. Everything is so colorful and yeah. and stacked beautifully. It's it's like a, a museum. It's like a work of art there.
0: Yep, they've also got some great deals on some local products, including Kelly's pepper jelly and fruit spread. That goes pretty much well on anything. Uh, Beecher's cheese is on sale as well. And, uh, I should also throw this in because there might be some time for you to, uh, take advantage of spring celebrations this weekend. You obviously, see if you've got Passover and Easter happening, uh, why not let Zupans do the heavy lifting when it comes to your meal prep, stop on in. They've got, uh, meals and, and, uh, food items ready to go. You just take it home, heat it. If you need to, sometimes you don't even have to eat it. You can just eat it. It's pretty great
1: and you can get your ideas just by looking at them too. You don't even need to know what you need before you go in. Zupan's has got everything including a little little gifts for Mother's Day coming up too. Great things to think about.
0: Absolutely. 3 locations to serve you. West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and information
1: always found where Zupans.com.
0: All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm.
1: Hello, Court, and how are we today? We are
0: well. Th- thank you for asking. It's been uh, <laughs> been uh, a, a crazy. Uh, again, it's hard for us not to address the weather when you have weather like we had here in Portland. How was it out on the coast? Let me ask you that, Chris.
1: Well, I'm going to say that, yeah, it's been chilly. But the clouds and the skies and the variety is just incredible. So um, you can you can even check out. I was about just about to post the skies from yesterday's afternoon on at Portland Food Adv my Instagram. They're pretty incredible. But anybody who lives in Oregon knows in the spring you get some incredible skies, and I view it as part of what we love so much about this wonderful place yeah typically
0: though you don't get the snow which is what we got earlier this week and to the point where uh, the big large tree i don't know what kind of tree it is out in front of the uh, kink studios uh some poor fellow parked his vehicle underneath it and a gigantic this is right in front of university club by the way so people can make a point of reference of this uh, mm-hmm. uh a large branch from that tree fell directly on his car and it's been there until this morning it took him three days to finally move the branch and get the car out of there.
1: Well, so here's my thing. I, you know, I grew up on the East Coast where we got big snowstorms and of course now that we have social media, we get to see every every quarter inch of dust here in Portland snow right. dust that yep. falls mm-hmm. and everybody's posting it as though it's the the end of the world, which, by the way, in the context of what's going on now, is certainly nothing. But in another context, uh, one of my best friends lives in Fargo, North Dakota, and I was talking to him the other day after I'd seen all these posts in portland on the snow and even out here on the coast we had a little bit and i put a little out there he said i'm waiting for the 24 inches to hit hit us and the winds are crazy right Mm. now in april right so you know we get nothing compared to that well i do know
0: this was i know this was uh bad enough this whole weather event uh my wife randy uh half of her family hails from canada and they actually were shutting down schools up in canada because of this weather event so it's they' they're actually just up above North North uh, Dakota so it's probably the same winter vortex or spring vortex whatever they're calling this thing was pretty hefty that uh it uh, did way more uh, damage and was much harder elsewhere. I think that's what we're both kind of saying. It's like we kind of yeah, got that's the, what we're saying. But like when
1: it. I when I was a boy, they didn't close the <laughs> close schools school. just for that. Well, I'm, so. m-
0: my point is that if Canada is closing down schools because of snow, that's pretty bad because they pretty much go through anything.
1: They got there. it covered. Yeah. I right know, and that's. Well, you know, Dave says and he, they they don't bat an eye when there's 24 inches of snow right. in North Dakota. They they know how to deal with it. But here we get a half inch and it's the end of the world. Yep. Um, to and my two daughters, past,
0: yeah, to my two daughters, Glee, they love they love snow days.
1: Yeah. Well, do they love it because they don't? have to go to school or because yeah. they love the whiteness Yeah,
0: a little a little of both but uh it, it, the whiteness isn't is is not you know again it, it, to your point when it's like a skiff of snow will shut down the school districts around here The the kids aren't going outside playing in that there, there's nothing fun about that it's when it's you know a couple of inches and you can get the sled out
1: yeah but yeah it's really not a big deal around here people have to I guess they don't know how to drive here either. So you add that to it and that sure. comes a little crazy. Yep. But neither here nor there, but I've got a great segue. You know, your kids love, um, you know, snow days. They're also going to love this, which is, Creative culture opening up in Portland. A business that was started in Kansas City, and uh, is now coming to Portland. And we had the opportunity to speak with Del Ann Up, the founder, who is a. I, I enjoyed this episode because you can see this woman is not stopping here. She's going to keep going. Well, she has plans for more to open over the next year. And I tried to pry out of her where those might be one of them may be in Seaside, I think you can listen to the episode and, and discern whether you think that's the case but creative culture is a pretty cool business where uh, people can go in, families individuals and create crafts and paint and do all sorts of things while they have insane milkshakes so we had to have the food the food component to this, to have it on the podcast. Although court, you and I have talked about branching out a little beyond food to interesting people who would be fun to dine with. That's, that's maybe something we will, uh, we will cover as we go on. And I think you got that covered over the next few weeks. Yeah, I'll be doing that uh, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But
0: Chris, to your point, these milkshakes, I just pulled up their website and holy cow. These are like, these are not your mama's milkshakes. These are, these are like milkshakes on steroids with, with steroids added on top. I don't know if I should be saying steroids, because these things
1: are delicious. These are, you've seen, have you seen these, Chris? I have, and I have a better analogy for them. Okay. Which is, and I said this in the interview, these look like Portland Bloody Marys, okay. where there's a whole meal on top of the Bloody yep. Mary. That's kind of go. what's going on here.
0: Exactly. These, these things, I, th- I, I think this concept is awesome. Because uh, you're doing something fun, crafty, and, ma- man, you're eating something delicious.
1: And to anybody who listens to this podcast know that I whine about cleanups after cooking. Here's the thing that, that uh, Del Ann pointed out that I think is very apt. That uh, not only when it comes to cooking, but when it comes to crafts and painting, the amount of cleanup that goes on after you're done with that with your kids, your grandkids, putting that all together, all the cleanup that is involved, they do all that. So you go in, you have the fun, and then you leave the rest to them. So I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. And the concept is proven, uh, pandemic proven too. Um, they had to do a little pivot, obviously, when you couldn't have a lot of people in. But um, I find it very interesting. And we don't cover a lot of places that haven't yet opened in – Portland, but if anybody's listening to this podcast on the day that it releases, it's open tomorrow. Grand opening on uh, Saturday the 16th. So so we, we kind of went against the grain, um, but I thought it was a fun idea and nice to promote something that's new here in Portland. And I also um, found it interesting that uh, Delan is kind of a half resident here. She's got a boyfriend. They're, they're living in Portland now and she's back and forth to Kansas City. So this is a woman who's pretty busy and not letting up. And uh, there's a lot of respect that goes out from me to her for that because I certainly don't have that kind of lifestyle. So now we have a f- almost a full hour with Delan Up of Creative Culture in Portland.
2: Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelus and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the Trips tab at PortlandFoodAdventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to to
1: the podcast. Well, hi, Doan. How are you this morning? Hey,
3: doing good. Just getting excited about this opening this week.
1: I think that is awesome. You have, uh, Francis is a great publicist because I usually don't do openings uh, on the podcast. And um, for a couple of reasons, I don't want to become a, the PR avenue where everybody's going to be all week and I just don't want to be that however Mm. I'm going to Spain next week and I kind of blocked myself up so the timing was perfect for me to get Francis's email telling me about um, about your place creative crafts and so wait a minute creative design
3: creative culture
1: creative culture all right yeah. So I will have court fix that. So uh, okay. that I have that marked. So, um, but it was the perfect timing for uh, to hear about creative culture and know that you were opening this week because what you're doing is a little different and we've wanted to shake it up a little bit on this podcast. Uh, and that's there's no pun intended there, but that's that happened. You do milkshakes. Yeah. When it comes to food, you do milkshakes. So we are shaking it up a little bit and moving cool. outside of there. – there is something to do with food at Creative Culture. But why don't you take a moment. You've opened in um – you've had stores open. So this is a proven concept that you're bringing to Portland starting in the middle of April, I think the 16th. Most of the folks here listen – after the podcast has already released on Friday, it's tomorrow. But if you're listening, it's anytime other than Friday, it's, you're open at Creative Culture. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing and what people can expect?
3: Yeah, so we opened our first studio right when the pandemic hit in March of 2020 in Kansas City. Um, I had already leased a building prior to the pandemic, so we just had to kind of jump in and go for it, um, pandemic or not, because we still had bills to pay. So we opened it in Kansas City and we shifted kind of our approach a little bit in doing kind of craft kits that were for schools like for homeschooled children's that weren't going back to school since the pandemic um, and also for kids that essentially were at home and needed things to do so you became um, the
1: art te- the art class
3: We did, and it was really fun because we did some virtual learning, um, virtual workshops, and um, it it truly kind of became that art piece, you know, in the school's curriculum, Um, and we just by default kind of fell into that. But um, once the pandemic kind of slowed, and in Kansas, I definitely think that... um, Kansas versus Portland, uh, were kind of two different environments. No, <laughs> Pandemic there's a difference. Yeah. So <laughs> there is, there is. Um, but so we were able to finally, you know, open the storefront and have people in, um, quite a bit earlier than um Portland, we were allowed to here. So we still said, um, you know, covered all of the safety protocols and, and kept things uh, very safe and operated at a lower occupancy and things like that. But when we did open our doors, we had kind of already a little bit of a following from the parents and kids, you know, within the Kansas City metro area. And it just kind of blew up. It, I never expected how quickly it grew and how successful it honestly kind of became overnight. Um, we had this idea, my daughter and I, she's 11. She is quite the little entrepreneur. <laughs> she always has different business ideas and she's she's really good at it. Her dad and I had owned businesses for 10 years, so she just kind of grew up in the small business ownership world. And she said, Mom, I love the crafts and stuff, but we got to have something to eat while we're doing them. And she goes, Remember those milkshakes we had that time? And it was from a vacation four years ago. And I said, Yeah, she goes, We need to do that. And I said, I think you're right. So her and I started playing around in our kitchen and made some really fun recipes. And I think the initial approach was to get these super gourmet milkshakes, you know, with all these very high end, um, very honestly kind of expensive ingredients. And we kind of found that when people come for milkshakes, they're typically looking to have like their cheat day or to just go over the top. They're not usually looking for some, you know, gourmet experience. So we shifted um, over the course of the first year and really focused on a lot of those like nostalgic treats that you had as a kid that your parents like didn't want you to eat very often, but they let you have them. So we're talking like hostess snacks and just over the top chocolate chip cookies and cotton candy and just all these crazy things. And we started building uh, these eight recipes that we've had um, around these items, and they've turned out to be really fun, kind of over the top. It's so fun to bring one out and see a kid's face when they see them because they're just they're just a mess. I mean, honestly, they they are <laughs> something you definitely couldn't eat very often, but it's something you remember.
1: So, so is, are they best ha- are they best had after the craft experience or during?
3: I like to do them during Um, kind of our process is, you know, people come in and we show them the studio and get them all set up with a project. And then we go kind of build the milkshakes. They definitely take a little bit to build. Um, I'm sure if you visit our website, you'll see pictures of them. But it's like a full lunch. I mean, they're a lot. They're big.
1: Yeah, no, I just I all I I just took a look at them and I made an appointment at my uh, at my cardiologist immediately just from looking (laughs) at them.
3: Yeah, you definitely need to do that. But, you know, we get a lot of people, too, that just stop in for milkshakes and choose not to even do the crafting. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, either route you take, it's definitely a nice treat.
1: Yeah, no, they look great. And I think it makes perfect sense because Mm -hmm. as I was looking at it um, when I was sent the website, the first thing that hit me is to send it to my girlfriend for her to bring her grandkids as an experience because they do that sort of thing anyway. Separately, they'll they'll go yes. paint. They'll go to painting classes, and then they'll uh, then they'll go out. I know they just did it. They went to painting classes and then went out for ice cream afterwards. You got it all. You're a one stop shop.
3: We are. And, you know, a lot of the DIY craft studios, they tend to have like bar, like alcohol and stuff. And it's geared a little bit more towards that 21 and over audience where I kind of shifted. And we focus a lot on having kids in during the day, but we do transition, you know, to it being a great place for bachelorette parties, for girls night out, things like that. Um, In the evenings, it's just, We didn't do the alcohol piece in this concept. We did the milkshakes instead.
1: So, but in the evenings, is it BYO? Can you, if you're doing bachelorette parties, you need alcohol? I would imagine. So is that BYO? Absolutely. Is that it?
3: Is so you can. Bring in your own. Um, We do not serve any of it or have anything to do kind of with the consumption and the service piece of it. So you have to come kind of self-contained with everything you need. And uh, if you guys want to have a glass of wine, have a beer, no problem. Just bring it in and, you know, bring your own openers and cups, but we we definitely encourage it. We just want people to have fun. So if it's fun with a glass of wine or if it's fun with a milkshake, we don't care.
1: Yeah, no, I've seen somewhere, I don't remember, where they have the, maybe it was Shark Tank. I think that's where it was. It was the the yeah. wine, wine and painting th- things that went on, and they thought it was going to be huge. And I don't know if it ever did. I've never heard of, I haven't heard of one. So you're the closest I know. Yeah. But that was a little more high end. It was It was geared towards couples on dates and getting out.
3: And you know it's funny because we get everything from grandma who's got the grandkids for the weekend to um, date nights to corporate groups. We um, we have a mobile kind of studio, I guess you could say. That's almost like a food truck concept that we take to corporate locations in the Kansas City area and do a lot of team building things on site. We do a lot of sorority and fraternity events at colleges and. So we can kind of go in studio or out of studio, and I hope to grow it to that here in Portland.
1: Well, the thing is, ironically enough, or coincidentally enough, we have, as you know, a really big creative culture in Portland. So I think yes. you're, you can expand and grow in ways that you can't yet see that's the beautiful thing about creativity is things expand and outside that proverbial box and so you may have things that you thought worked in kansas city but then you're gonna have people coming to you that's the fun thing about being an entrepreneur is everybody telling you what you need to do and should do (laughs) and you want to just slap them because you've already got a business model and you don't need more ideas but (laughs) Uh, I know that yeah. really well, um, but sometimes, you know, every I once love- in a while, something good comes by, and or it'll hit you just being good. in Portland.
3: Yeah, yeah, and Portland has been um, a little bit different for me. Um, I was not super familiar with, with this part of the U.S., I grew up in Oklahoma um, and then I've began dating someone out here and started spending a significant amount of time out here and just really fell in love with Portland. And I was kind of disappointed in myself for not knowing more about it um, until now. (laughs) Um, But I started going, I'm a big boutique shopper. I love supporting small businesses. Um, I tend to shop small over big and have always been that way. And I just started venturing out and kind of getting to know people and the the vibe and the creativity and just people's value over the arts and, you know, quality of life here was really special. I tend to think that Portland really has a special creative world here and Everything from the food scene to the music scene to the, you know, maker scene, people are really, really into it. And I value that because that's things that I find important in my own life. So um, when I was looking at doing a creative culture, I was thinking I was going to do one in, my next one in my hometown of um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then after being out here, I was like, no way, I'm doing it in Portland. So I'm just praying it works out. I think people will love it, but we'll see. <laughs> are you,
1: are you, have you moved to Portland? Are you moving to Portland or are you going to be, so, are you going to be a local? Cause that's important to everybody here.
3: It is. So I'm a part-time local. I fly to Portland every other Friday. So I'm here for a week and then I'm back in Kansas city for a week because my daughter um, and her dad and I actually have a great relationship and we still work together a lot on a day-to-day basis. So we have joint custody. He has her for seven days and I have her for seven days. And we find keeping her, you know, stabilized there is the best for our family. So I go back on the weeks that I have her and then I'm out here when I don't have her. And then we do spend most of the summer out in Portland. So I. Sp- Summer
1: out here is amazing. Oh, yeah. That's how I discovered it at first. I spent two summers, not the whole summers, but that was my first sampling of Portland is in the middle of Oregon. I say, you'll get outside a little bit more than you maybe have, but um, Oregon in the summer in July is just incredible. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, coming... I don't know how you're going to feel, but coming from the East Coast, like looking outside right now, I just saw a little bit of snow. I'm in Manzanita. I'm out on the coast and uh there's rain going on and for me a little bit of rain and snow that goes away in three hours is way better than what i experienced in the northeast so i don't mind the winters i hope you feel the same way um over time i do
3: i'll tell you the cold in kansas is like a different kind of cold i lived in colorado for quite some time and I, that cold in Kansas, like, hurts you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so cold where I don't feel like it gets that like that here.
1: That's right. It's, it doesn't – you don't – first of all, you don't need much more than a sweater. And secondly, your spine doesn't freeze up like it does right. in the cold weather. I remember so many days where my, I'm just frozen and hating it. So It's one of the reasons I'm here. But so – uh, you mentioned a moment ago about the makers and and locals. So I'm curious. I don't mean to put you on the spot here because I don't know the answer to this, but you can always you can always say you're working on it. Do you? You obviously you're using ice cream, and we have some so many incredible ice cream spots in Portland that you would have to choose from all or alternate or do what a lot of people do i'm not giving you ideas here don't tell them i'm not saying you should or 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 need to but you know you could easily have some fun with it by having uh you know your milkshake of the of the month kind of thing lots of businesses do do that here
3: we kind of base ours uh, kind of around the holidays um we tend to be very seasonal in our crafts, Um, so our crafts change with the seasons. So we have a few kind of stationary crafts that are always on the menu but a good probably 80 percent of them do change and that's to encourage people to come back you know if they had a great experience we want them to come back and see what we have for the next season and we do use a local ice cream company which we're excited about but we keep it pretty basic on our ice cream we just do chocolate and vanilla and then we get all of our flavors from mix-ins so we mix in everything from you know, edible cookie dough to cupcakes to cheesecake. Um, so that kind of flavors our ice cream.
1: So you mentioned it before um, that, you know, makers are important. And, you know, in Portland, we're very aware of who's making what and who's doing what. And uh, I would think you could do some creative things here, maybe not with an exclusive, you know, change it up a little bit, maybe not exclusive, but. Who are you using local? Who are you going to use locally, and what is your plan?
3: Yeah, so right now we're using Umqua ice cream, and we're keeping it very basic on our ice cream flavors of just vanilla and chocolate. Because all of our recipes, we use different product to flavor the ice cream. So everything from cookie dough to cheesecake to cupcakes, and so we're there's so many amazing local brands that have these phenomenal flavors and that's kind of what they're known for, for how unique their ice creams are. And we want to kind of be known for creating these flavors um, with the crazy toppings. And so we've, we've kept our ice cream flavors pretty basic here.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the base. And if I can understand that, if you get into some kind of funky things then you, you have to have something that is scalable. And if you have to retool for what the local, you know, what the, ice, the current ice creams are at the shops, that would be very difficult for you. But I can yeah. say, and I'm not saying that you need to or you should, but I can see in the future that you acclimating to the Portland world enough where you maybe develop a shake a month from a different ice cream place, you know, feature that one as an option. The seventh one in the menu. How many did you say you had? I forgot.
3: We have eight, and then we usually always, yeah, we have one seasonal one, and that's where we really try to go local is with our toppings. Mm -hmm. So we work with like some different groups on brownies, and we're currently trying to find really good vendors for our toppings because we use macaroons, and we have all of these fun like additions, and that's where we really try to bring in kind of the local community and local bakers and things to
1: to jazz them up yeah no i can see that but i i'll talk to you after the podcast <laughs> 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 we did, but uh just some pretty basic ideas i think that would be good however you may have right. people lined out the door and you don't need my ideas so <laughs> i'm hoping that for you mm-hmm.
3: Well, Frances is phenomenal with our PR and she's made some great connections over the years in her job. And she's given us some wonderful recommendations of companies. And we're partnering with Wild Roots for our opening tomorrow. And they're bringing in um, kind of a bar set up for us. So we're meeting some really great people and everyone seems so encouraging. I was really there. We have a wonderful little pottery studio um, not far from us here that's been around forever. Um, It's adorable. Me and my daughters went in there to paint numerous times. And I didn't even really get to know the owner. It's always been staff, you know, working when I went in. And she reached out and just sent the most beautiful email and welcoming us to the neighborhood. And I've just been so overwhelmed with the, like, community over competition. And Portland has been so great about that.
1: Yeah, now that's the thing that – that's what – one of the things that drove me to start – What I do, not only the podcast, but Portland Food Adventures, is that chefs and everybody in the industry would recommend somebody else. Where I come from in Connecticut, if you said to, uh, if you asked the proprietor of one of the pizza places in New Haven, what do you think about that? You almost have to have armor on because you're going to, they don't want to hear that. So that's one of the unique things. And I think what will happen over time is that you're going to meet all these people. And it's impossible not to have some sort of collaboration conversation. And so things are going to happen that you can't see right now. And but I believe that it's inevitable that that happens with everybody. That's the nature of the beast. If you want to be in the industry in Portland, then collaboration is key. And you mentioned it you know community over uh community over competition i kind of think you must have been to pips to hear that i don't know
3: (laughs) well i've been in the event and wedding industry for 12 years and owned a very large event rental company out in the midwest and we really tried to encourage that environment within that community and as i went out and now doing something a little different, I've kind of c- carried that motto over.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, even if you didn't have that motto, it's kind of hard to avoid. As you said, you just met people and they wished you well, and things are going to sprout from that sort of thing. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your upbringing and what led you to do this sort of thing and do a wedding event planning and crafts. And I guess I don't need so- to ask you what 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 happened with milkshakes in your childhood? That's probably. An yeah. Thing.
3: yeah. So, um, always been very crafty. I was a marketing director for a university for years and just kind of had enough of that office job type environment, but I always worked in kind of a creative field. So I just noticed I was making a huge mess at home all the time trying to do these projects <laughs> and i was like i would i'd spend a lot of money to go somewhere and not have to clean up this mess so we figured other people felt that way and so we developed this concept and it's worked out really well, and, you know, we, we've we continued to grow it. Something that we've added on in the last years is our different workshops we offer, and I've been really lucky to find amazing staff at all of my locations that are very involved in this maker creative community, and they have um, been able to find different people to partner with to come in and teach workshops on everything, you know, from plant care, to wreath building, to linen dyeing. I mean, it's it's so crazy some of the amazing things people are doing nowadays. <laughs> and it's fun for the makers who do not necessarily have like a brick and mortar store to have a classroom type environment to come in and teach um, the general public and to provide that education piece too. So we really, really enjoy that. Um, and I think as a kid, I was always in to new projects. I felt like every time it was a birthday or Christmas, I was asking my parents for something like, I remember I got a pottery will one year. That was like the highlight of my life. And I was just an odd kid. I didn't ask for Barbies and things like that. I wanted the new set of markers that came out. And I just think I finally reached the point in my career, you know, I stepped away. I just sold my event rental company that I owned for 10 years. And this kind of came on the the horizon. So I, I ran with it and it's proven to be a really good fit for me and my family.
1: Well, I would think if you're a creative entrepreneur, you've got to come up with something new every so often because you can't keep doing the same thing forever. That's not no. what it's about. You, It's, it's about building something and, and, and the, the gratification of watching it become something. And then after a while, I suppose you can watch it grow larger and larger, but I think it's got to branch out and you got to find new ways to satisfy that, that creativity.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that was part of why I kind of switched into this is because in the event industry, I used to be on the planning side a lot and, you know, there was a massive creativity piece with that of designing, you know, beautiful weddings or a, a corporate event. And so there was always that creativity. And as I, my career grew and as the company grew, I found I was more sitting behind a desk managing the logistics of getting rental products somewhere versus the creativity where the the creative culture has allowed me to step much more into that creative role again and, you know, have input in everything from the recipes to the milkshakes to the workshops to the different crafts we do. And I've just refused to let this kind of like pull me back into where I previously was because I let it get too big on the rental side and I just didn't find that joy in it that I used to. So I'm very cautious this time around to keep it where it's something I can manage easily on a day-to-day basis and get to stay in the studios and be an active part, you know, in the creativity of it.
1: Well, I would imagine the pandemic played a role in the events industry for you. (laughs) All of a sudden, it's not what it was at all.
3: You know, we were pretty blessed because we had some major contracts that required a lot of product that were more um, for kind of building operations, not so much um, the events. So we didn't get hit quite as bad as some people did, but we definitely did have a, a pretty big impact. And I think the pandemic combined with just a little bit being burnt out on that industry was just kind of the final straw for me to say it 's time to do something different
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people would uh, would say mm-hmm. that too, so um, and I find it interesting that you kind of came upon this business being a little bit tired of cleaning up after your crafts because I say that all the time about eating and cooking that's why restaurants exist because we for the most part yes we're looking for a great experience but for me to not have to clean up that's part of the, the whole deal so
3: well and if you think about it when you cook for yourself too you have to go out and you buy all this food and most of the time you only use a portion of it and then you hate to let things go away, so you're cooking more, you know, where it's the same with crafts. You know, when you go into a store, you can't buy exactly what you need just for one craft. You usually have to buy a bunch of something, so you have all this stuff left over, and then before you know it, you've got, like, boxes of stuff in the corner of your house from all the unused <laughs> craft supplies. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good way to, and to get out of the house and experience and meet new people and, um it's we have a very minimalist vibe and it's very clean and it's just encourages kind of creativity so it's nice to kind of have a a new environment to do projects in
1: well yeah and it's i would think it's a lot more cost effective to come out and go to your place and make a few things and then leave than it is as you say to buy all that stuff because even in the kitchen cooking i would say i'm gonna guess on a On the high side, 50% of what I buy actually ends up getting used and not tossed because I've gone by the expiration date on something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, you know, crafts don't expire in the same way, but you got to store them somewhere and keep them somewhere. So I think it's a little bit more of an a la carte situation if you come in uh, with you instead of doing it at home. And yes, the cleanup.
3: Yes, definitely the cleanup.
1: (laughs) So do you like, speaking of cooking, do you like to cook? Are you, is food a big part of your life?
3: Major food. I always laugh because we plan our vacations around which restaurants we're going to eat at. You know, we love watching all of the chef's tables and all of the, you know, shows on and we always make note of the restaurants we see or people tell us about. I have a notes on my phone and anytime someone mentions a restaurant, I'm like, hold on, you know, let me put this in here so I don't forget. So um, we tend to take um, a lot of little weekend trips where we'll go down to the coast or we we'll, we went up to Whitby Island um, a few weeks ago and they have some wonderful restaurants up there. So mm-hmm. food is a huge part of our life. <laughs>
1: so have you been to any chef's table restaurants uh
3: i have um, you're gonna put me on the spot and i can't remember that's okay. all of them but we just did um a wonderful one in seattle around christmas time and it's a, a family-owned place that's been around forever Can- canvas. On the water. probably canvas yeah. yeah that's it and that was quite an experience and my eleven year old is a little on duck when it comes to food because she loves going to the fancy places you know she wants to try everything she feels like i don't know she's we don't force her to eat, but she wants if it's on the plate, she wants to try it so you know, she that's went good. with us. Um, for that experience and it, it was very it was great it was we got lucky we were in town and there was a kind of a snowstorm and so they had some cancellations and I just happened to call and they're like oh yeah we can get you in so we rushed down there and um, it was it was wonderful
1: that's great I'm trying to tick off those chef's table places and I yeah I, I don't know offhand how many I've been to but I've met a few of those people featured on Chef's Table, and I'm very fortunate to have done that, and it's a lot of fun to watch them. Unfortunately, in every case, I've seen them after the fact. So I already went there, and I wish I would. I think it's almost better having done it after the fact and not being so (laughs) googly-eyed while I was there. So
3: I hear you. We had an experience. um, We went to French Laundry for one of their special like truffle dinners last summer, and I that's always been a big place that, you know, I've wanted to go to. And we finally were able to get a reservation. And then while we were there, um they were also opening this new caviar and champagne bar and we didn't know what was going on so we just walked out there like we knew everybody and it was their friends and family event for their opening and they just let us in so we got to go in and meet chef and um it was just one of the coolest experiences probably like top five of my life to experience that and it was it was so cool
1: Okay, Chris,
0: we're going to pause just a moment here to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, a Portland institution, it's Ringside Steakhouse.
1: For over 78 years, Ringside has been serving the best steaks in Portland and also providing the best service in Portland. And I, right here in front of me, have evidence to that effect uh, that I find hilarious. My mother kept a... Uh, journal of all her travels, my father and my mother's travels, and their dining experiences. And I just happened to come across from 2001 when they visited Portland before I even knew about this place. uh, My mom's entry after going to Potso and lots of places and having her usual complaints about those. This is her entry for Ringside Steakhouse from 2001. It's Jane and my favorite restaurant is ringside which our shuttle driver took us to we ordered the three course meal as if i needed it terrific onion soup and we both had marvelous roast beef just like in the old days didn't order dessert though i'm about to explode <laughs> you know what's interesting <laughs> about that chris is that
0: uh, your, your mom and you have both both been drawn to the onion soup there at ringside steakhouse
1: well, the the fact that that was their favorite restaurant is pretty awesome. Yeah. I didn't know Ringside then, so and I didn't use this diary to decide to establish a love for Ringside when I got here, so I find that interesting. So, that's the case. So, in celebration of that quote, Mother's Day is coming up, and I can't enjoy that with my mom, unfortunately, but... You can, and anybody else can, because they have a Mother's Day meal kit currently for sale on their website that you can order. If you aren't going into ringside for Mother's Day, you can take ringside to your mother.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's really great. I'm looking over the different items in this, Chris. Green goddess salad, you've got mayonnaise potatoes, grilled asparagus, a 20-ounce Chateaubriand Brion. And wild colossal Gulf prawns, so all sorts of variety in this. So if you want to get kind of mix up what you might do at home, let Ringside Steakhouse do it with this great Mother's Day meal kit.
1: There's a great dessert there too, which you got to do for mom. Very nice. So take advantage of uh,
0: making reservations on their website, RingsideSteakhouse.com, or order that Mother's Day meal kit ahead of time. Uh, you can also use the Open Table app to make those reservations.
1: So I ha- I'm a little curious now that I'm hearing you're going to all these wonderful places because you've obviously <laughs> got a partner in crime on this. So yes. uh, so A, how did you meet your, I, I assume your boyfriend, your fiance, I don't know, your boyfriend, and C, what does he do? What's what's he into?
3: Yeah, so Jason is a realtor here in Portland, and he is a wonderful real estate agent. Um, he does a lot of... Beautiful listings. and he actually just transitioned to be with a new company called EXP. He was with Sotheby's for years Mm -hmm. and he's finding kind of like me, you know, he wants that creativity and that ability to kind of market outside the box because that's really his specialty. So he moved over to this new brand recently and it's really been a good change for him. But um, I actually met him because he was selling a friend's house of mine from when I lived in Colorado. She had moved out here and, um, she introduced us and was like, you guys are, have like similar personalities, a lot of the same interest and it just really worked. So that's kind of the, the short story of it. But, um, he's a big foodie like me and he's super encouraging. And, you know, when I can't be here, if it's a week, I'm back with my daughter, he's the one in the studio and he's, you know, helping and it, it's just a really good mix.
1: Well, I also just thinking about the whole situation it's there's one thing to ask someone about how's the long distance dating life going but you added a long distance business so you're dating your business too uh and your business back home so you've got you do have a dual life going on in in kansas and um and in portland now and yeah let's how long ago did you meet how 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 much of how long have you been seeing portland
3: about a year and a half now. Oh, so and you I've,
1: you first saw it when it was pretty much at its worst.
3: Yeah, it was definitely. I heard that that was a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we live down in the Pearl and love it, so we're kind of right in the city. And I see just in the last year and a half a lot of positive change um, in that area. There's lots of new restaurants and new, you know, shops popping up. We just did the first Thursday. Um, this last Thursday. And that was fun to see. Cause you know, last year when summer that wasn't happening, everything was still shut down. Mm-hmm. So the streets were just full and people were out and it was lots of great art. They had lots of good makers on the streets, you know, with setups and um, it, I met a lot of great people just, you know, walking around there and there were big farmers market people love to go to the farmers market. We even go in the winter time. Um where those people out there, you know, in coats and stuff getting food. But um, yeah, so that's truly been a lot of the connections I've made and Jason knows a lot of people. He was born and raised in Portland, so he kind of knows everyone. It's it's crazy because I'm like Portland's a big city, but it's like you still know everyone. Um, so he's made a lot of great connections for me too, and people that have just been overwhelmingly supportive.
1: That's great. Do you have some favorites, uh, in the Pearl that you might be able to share with us? Some favorite oh spots? Oh my gosh.
3: Well, I'll tell you my go-to and I, it's funny cause I eat this multiple times a week and you're probably going to laugh at me, but I love luck luck. I don't know if you've had luck luck, but their pho is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's like I I eat it. I just had it last night for dinner, Um, and then let me think. uh, Gosh, we go we go to so many restaurants. We try to like venture out. We don't have the same ones we go to. We always are going to some new ones. Well, that's the fun part about
1: Portland is to to, mm -hmm. just do that. We
3: went to this amazing Korean barbecue place a week ago. I'll have to look it up and send the name to you. Hot Yai, perhaps?
1: was, Was it Hot Yai?
3: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So good. You're not. You um, probably was,
1: won't stump me. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'll. I'll t- you probably had them all, and I'm the worst with names. Um, I I will never forget like a sign or like a menu design, but I cannot remember names to save the life of me. But um, yeah, we eat out quite a bit, and you know, we're just. It's like if we hear something new, we always go. We we did Nimble Fish. Mm-hmm. Um, Not long ago, and it was very good, too. So there's a a lot of good ones in Portland.
1: Oh, yeah. And you're having come a year and a half ago. There's a lot of new things, but what you... I guess for you, it's a good thing you don't know what you're missing because a lot of wonderful, a lot of wonderful spots have closed in the last couple of years. It's, it's, to me, it's not the same place. I guess some people can say it's exciting. There are all sorts of new places, but let's face it, when you get used to operators having been here for 20 years, 10 years doing what they're doing, it's, a, it's a little sad that we don't have those any longer.
3: Yeah, well, I remember one of our first dates here in Portland was at Paley's place, which yeah, there you has go. been a staple for here forever. And then they just recently closed, and we were kind of heartbroken because that was one of our favorite restaurants.
1: You're not the only one. I know. <laughs> and then, and then you add to that, he had th- four four restaurants downtown that all closed too. So, uh. Uh, and we all, everybody thought, well, at least Paley's is still open. He's going to go with the. Uh, the the rock that's been around for years, but are uh, they? I should say, and um, it's too bad that closed. But you'll find. Yeah. I'm sure in no time you'll find. So you, it sounds like you can consider yourself a Portlander. You're taught. You're speaking as though you live here.
3: <laughs> I feel like I do. I mean, I I don't pack a suitcase when I come back and forth. I have you know all my stuff here, and we have a beautiful home that we have created here. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I don't live here. I feel like I almost live here more than I do in Kansas city. I've been a little in transition back in Kansas city. I'm building a house right now. So I've been living in a condo, which has been a little bit, it's taken some time to getting used to. So I feel like almost Portland's more my home. Um, Cause I'm much more settled here than in Kansas city. But um, my daughter, she, like I said, her dad and I, he's probably my best friend, honestly. Um, we share custody so well. It's like, if we ever want to come out and do a couple of weeks in Portland, like she just comes with me and she's actually flying out tomorrow to be here throughout uh, Wednesday of next week for the opening. And she loves, you know, doing interviews and talking about it and how she helps mom with the business ideas. And, um, she's like my milkshake queen. This kid trains most of the staff on the milkshakes.
1: (laughs) What's the, uh, uh, well, just thinking of it now, what's the, what's the most popular milkshake you have?
3: Oh my gosh. Um, you know, when it gets really hot out, I think our strawberry cheesecake is the most popular. It's a little bit lighter, um, and it has a whole piece of strawberry cheesecake on top with a big um, pizzelle, like a, a wafer um, Piece it also has a ton of whipped topping and we have these little shortcake breads that go on with it And it is so good um, But I think we have this one called the original and it's an Oreo and people just love Oreo I mean who doesn't love Oreo? Um, winter wintertime, our s'mores one is very popular because we actually toast the s'mores. So you get cold ice cream, but everything on top is like gooey and warm and kind of smells like so, that campfire s'mores.
1: Can you smell that in the shop too? Is that you you a aromatic you can. experience?
3: You, you can. And it's really yummy. I think I honestly think probably the s'mores is my personal favorite.
1: Oh, good. Well, I, I'm sure they're all good, and this this yeah. sounds like uh, you know the way. I'm sure they're done elsewhere, but the way Portland does Bloody Marys, where it's not just yes. a Bloody Mary, it's like mm-hmm. there's a whole meal on top of it, uh, speared into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I've and had some
3: of the best Bloody Marys of my life in Portland.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. So, but it sounds like that's what your milkshakes are. You're not just getting a milkshake with a straw, and or yeah. a spoon. You know there's a place out here in Cannon Beach and I can't the chocolate terrier or something that that makes hand-churned chocolate shakes right near the fish oh, market. Nice. So nice. um, those I missed, I'll but I, I just, there. I heard from someone, they're not hand churning them any longer. I think it had something oh. to do with the pandemic. I could be wrong. Always willing to be corrected, but I thought I heard that. So, um, okay. but those, that's kind of nice. A hand churn, they're thick enough where you have to have a spoon. spoon. So mm-hmm. living 20 minutes away from there, I've gotten a couple of those hand churn shakes and then you can't suck it through a straw on the 15 minute <laughs> drive. So I'm spooning and driving at the same time. I don't know if I wanted Death to leave that.
3: There. <laughs> yeah, I don't know
1: if I wanted to leave that image out for listeners or the police. One of the two. Right. So. <laughs> right. A little distracted driving. Um, so, uh, what, the, what do you think? What is the thing you discovered when you started this business that was kind of out of left field that you didn't know was going to be one of the great parts of the business or one of the worst, what you didn't see coming. <laughs> and, and, maybe, and, or.
3: Well, I'll, I'll start with the negative and then on the positive. Um, I've always been pretty well versed in con- construction and code and permitting and that whole process. Um, I do a lot of different projects on the residential and commercial side. And uh, my ex-husband and I do quite a bit of remodeling and things. And I have never <laughs> experienced anything like permitting and um, code quite like Portland. It has definitely thrown me for a loop a little bit. Um, I've waited almost four months on an occupancy permit for a building that was completed like a year and a half ago. So um, I've just had to learn a lot of patience because I'm not used to that. Um, I've typically been able to push through things a little faster in the past. So, um, taught me good patience, but I will tell you, this is the first time I've opened one of these businesses that I haven't been super stressed out because I've had so much time to get ready as I've been waiting for these permits. Mm -hmm. But, um, You know, the the food safety and the food inspection side was very smooth. Um, It's probably the smoothest I've ever been through on, you know, kitchen inspections. And we were very well prepared for that. They were very helpful. You call, they send you lists, you know, they talk through kitchen plans with you. So that piece of it was very positive. But just the, the overall building side was very much a struggle. And I had to learn a little bit more about grease traps than I probably ever you know, want to know. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm a grease trap expert at this point. We found some great spaces early on. Um Jason was pretty active in helping me find and look at some spaces and we would get our hearts set on a space and then realize, Oh, there wasn't a grease trap, but do we need a grease trap? Well, no one could give me an answer. So, you know, we finally just decided to go the grease trap route. And so the space we're in is a really good fit for us. But um, I think the, the positives for here as, Being in the pottery world, Portland is kind of known um, for scut kilns. Um, I have always used scut my entire career. I opened my first pottery studio in 2014, and we've always used scut, and scut is local to Portland. So it's really nice just having them right here to ask questions to, um, because we do the paint neural pottery in the studio, so people paint, and then we glaze it and put it in the kiln, and they are just a great company and they're just right down the street. So that that was kind of a blessing and something fun to learn because I did not know they were out of Portland.
1: Oh, that's good. And so I also from the customer experience side, some of the things that they've told you that they like about what what that experience is like, are there was there anything along the way that was a surprise to you you didn't see?
3: Um, you know, I I'm learning a little bit more about like lactose free. Um, We get a lot of requests for, you know, vegan and lactose free product, um, which I haven't been super versed in. We've had a really hard time finding a ice cream that meets both of those standards that still tastes good and then then mixes into a milkshake and kind of keeps its consistency. Um, That's been a really big challenge and we've been trying to implement a vegan option for about a year now. So if you have any listeners that know of really good vegan ice cream, send it my way.
1: <laughs> well, if they're in Portland, <laughs> if, if yes, anybody in Portland, a lot of people in Portland are probably going to be able to give you that um, advice. And I'm, um, you know, I know we have had some uh, places open that were vegan ice cream only. And uh-huh. uh, as far as I know, they're closed now. So okay. it was a challenge. But someone yeah. may know. Yeah, someone yeah. may know. And, um, and it, you it know, does. it may just be you have to say, I'm sorry, ice cream is not necessarily a vegan experience. <gasps> Did I just say that? <laughs> anyway, I.
3: Uh, yeah, we've struggled with that a little bit, because we do want to make you know people happy and if that's a, a big request you want to try to accommodate but i don't want to change the quality of the product if it if i just can't accomplish a good product then you can have might.
1: something else for the, well, you know that is an ice cream their,
3: yeah and people can bring in their own snacks if we can't accommodate or if there's an allergy you know grab something for yourself and bring it in we have no problem with that
1: all right. So listen, let's uh talk about where you are, your location and where to find you on all the fun places like Instagram and Facebook and and uh let's get you open.
3: Okay. Yeah, so we're at 15 I'm sorry, 1452 Northeast 28th Avenue. So, um we're, there's a big Fred Meyer over here. We're very close to them, and there's lots of awesome little art shops and things around. And we are on Instagram at Creative Culture PDX, and Facebook is the same.
1: Okay, great. Is there a creative culture in Kansas City that people can check out and see on Instagram what's been going on there for the last year? Ye-
3: Yeah, and we've been very active on our PDX site too. So we um, have been posting for about four months now as Mm -hmm. we've been waiting for occupancy. And so you can see kind of a mix of some of the activities we've done in Kansas City as well as some different things we've done kind of on the private sector here. Um, So Instagram is kind of our go-to form of communication with our customers, and it cross promotes on Facebook. So um, social media is really big for us. And I've got an awesome team that are great about taking pictures and being active on it as well.
1: I would think for for crafts, that's a big, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And thank goodness for social media with with a business like yours. How else? That would be very tough to promote without, uh, without those things. So good for you. So, you know, normally I, Prefer to have interviews with people. You see, once I saw you had a business going in Kansas City, that helped Mm -hmm. me because Uh I really don't want to talk to people about concepts before Mm -hmm. it's open because I would... One thing, you're opening Saturday, so that's good. But Mm -hmm. I don't want someone talking three months in advance when someone listens to this podcast and they can't act on it. And secondly, I want to hear about experiences and what what it's been like for you not so much what your ideas is. this isn't shark tank and right. uh, i wish i had the funds to help others but i don't Uh but uh but so in in that regard maybe we can visit again in a year's time and we'll see how things have gone and you know i'm curious over time to hear how things may change you know you have a daughter in kansas city and Mm -hmm. that ties you there um however you never know things can change too
3: i'll tell you i've never been one to be still i'm always on the go and i don't Yeah, and I think that I see a second location in another part of Oregon here probably within the next six months.
1: Oh, that's soon.
3: Yeah, I moved pretty quick. So, my yeah. goal my first year was to open two just to check, you know, check concept, and we accomplished that. So, this year I'm hoping to open three.
1: And uh, wow, that's a lot. So, you're not at liberty to share where that location <laughs> might be.
3: Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. We're doing a little bit of market research on the community right now and seeing kind of what's there. And um, I think that it will be a good fit for us. Um, But it's just kind of a a waiting game. We got to see how Portland's going to receive it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think it'll receive it well. And I, you know, my first thought goes immediately to somebody opening something good on the coast yeah i don 't I don't necessarily know I can see where there 's a huge positive where you have families out here looking for something to do other than go to the beach and go hiking mm-hmm. um, on the other hand you, you wouldn 't necessarily have more than a seasonal business out here, which is the challenge for a lot of businesses but i could I can see a seaside or an Astoria for your business i don 't think manzanita's the spot for it. Could be, but you know we only have what 250 short-term rentals here. That's not enough. Yeah. Well, I will you.
3: just as a, a hint. We were out at the Seaside on Sunday looking around.
1: <laughs> there you go. It seems like that seems the perfect spot, and I also think the the thing about Astoria is it's a year-round community too. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and you can draw from Washington. You can draw from a lot of places there. So.
3: Yeah, I grew up watching the Goonies. So. We had to do a Goonies trip to Astoria with my daughter a few months ago, and that's such a cute town.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot that's, I hope you work your way down the coast, all the way down yeah. to, you know, Bandon and Brookings and everything in between, because it's really a magical place, I believe. Um, well, so best of luck um, you. with your business, and uh, I don't think you're going to need a lot of luck. I oh, think I,
3: appreciate I, that. I think
1: you're uh, I think you got it dialed in and uh it's not gonna be long until we hear about the seventh and eighth locations. Oh gosh, Oregon. well
3: I hope that's the case.
1: <laughs> yeah, well no, oh, at right. some point you said it earlier, you need to develop something manageable and you've mm-hmm. got uh you know, your daughter may be following in your footsteps and want to go, go, go. On the other hand, you need to stop and smell some roses in the Rose yeah. City. With her, yeah, with, exactly. with her and your boyfriend and then friends you make along the way, too. So mm-hmm. that's important. You know, I don't think like everybody else, but I, I think there's a balance that needs to be had. And I think of this pandemic caused a lot of people in the food industry to reevaluate the the relationship they had or the balance that they had in their life between work and and their personal lives. So, um, But go ahead and open eight. You'll find a personal life along the way and afterwards. I, or just find really
3: good staff and a team to help me. <laughs> well, you have to. You can't
1: open eight and do it all yourself. But, right, right. But And you're also – what's key in that is – I hope in time we don't have this labor problem Mm -hmm. that we have now and i don't know if that's a problem in crafts because it's not the same industry as the food industry i mean someone's (laughs) got to make a milkshake but you don't need as many but uh i'm hopeful that the the labor problem isn't as um quite as acute as uh the food folks have it for you
3: yeah yeah, we've been really lucky i've got a great team and we had a great number of applicants for the position, so I feel like we're in a pretty good place from a staffing standpoint, and it is a little bit different, you know, than the restaurant industry and you kind of pull, you know, makers and artists and stuff too, because the the milkshake piece, you know, is only a portion of it, so um, it appeals to quite a wide range of people.
1: Well, great. I appreciate you taking your time on what has to be a busy week for you. So we have carved out an hour, and we're going to come in under the gun at less than an hour. Um, okay. So uh, get back to what you're doing, and certainly I appreciate your coming on, and thanks for, um, for educating us, and we'll look forward to seeing something new and different. It's nice to talk about something new and different.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. Maybe we can touch base down the road.
1: <laughs> oh, we will, for sure. We'll All right. be in touch. Okay, Take thank care. you. Okay.
2: Bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at the Fork dot com.